Hello and welcome to the Blue Pea Leader podcast. And I'm your host and the founder of Blue Pea Pod, Ruth Sanderson. If you want to become a leader of an organization where people feel alive and fully contribute, one that really understands who you are, lets you contribute your talents, live your purpose and make a difference. Listen in now as we share the latest practical ideas and techniques to experience authentic success through leadership. Hello and welcome to the Blue P Leader. In this podcast, I want to talk about some of the things your employees want from you, they're looking for from you in order to really enjoy working with you. Now, on the way back from delivering a leadership course in Europe the other week, I was drawn to a post from Lee Branham on why employees leave their organisations. It's based on a book of his that is an excellent read. So add that to your wish list. It highlighted that nearly 90% of managers think employees leave for money when the figure is closer to 12%. And I have to say, when we're having conversations about this in in the training courses, people usually think that the, the reason why people leave is higher than, well, certainly higher than 12%. I'm not saying that I get 90% of managers thinking that's why they leave for money. But people think money is a reason for people leaving when very rarely is it ever about the money. The polls continued that 90% of business leaders believe an engagement strategy would make a difference and improve business performance, which sounds really good. However, less than a quarter of these business leaders' companies had any form of employee engagement activities happening in their workplace. Now, I have to also turn around and say that, you know, employee engagement activities, you really got to look carefully. Are you doing this to go, ooh, let's tick the box and do the common employee engagement activities? Or, shock horror, have you actually asked the employees what you could do, as in the activities, that would genuinely help them engage. Now, then there's a post from Personnel Today who shared a report um, on employee communications or by employee communications uh, platform SpeakUp. And that revealed how vital workplace culture is to employees. The research showed that 42% of the 1,000 people it surveyed would rather work a 60-hour week than work for a company that does not value its culture. Six in ten said they would take a job with their organisation's competitor if it had a better culture than their current employer, while only 13% said culture was not vital to them at all. And so really, this is, you know, this is kind of what I want to talk about in this podcast. What do employees want from us? And it would be easy to make assumptions. So based on the conversations I've had with participants and coaching clients on a weekly basis, I'm going to kind of come up with five of the things that seem to be really, really important that always seem to crop up. I, I mean, overall, we could turn around and say culture is it. But how do we break it down into smaller pieces that we can look at and work with? So the first one is to basically feel both respected and valued. And I've done a podcast episode on uh, respect. I think it's called Give Me a Little Respect. Um, But 
When did you last say thank you to a member of your team? And by that, I mean really say thank you, not just a fleeting thanks, tar, great, fantastic, chuck away lines that, you know, we do it at times, but as long as it's just at times rather than, yep, when I say thank you, it is, if I pay attention, really they're just the chuck away lines. Um... All too often, we just forget to give our employees the respect they deserve. I mean, do we ask for their opinion or their input? Now, quite often, I'll hear coaching clients say that, you know, they go back to their organisation. They go on training courses, not necessarily mine, but they'll go, they'll, they'll further their development. And they come back having a great idea or an insight. They can see some way that something could be improved. So they share it. And it's like, oh, no, no, it's dismissed. It won't work here. It's what it's it's just this is how we do it. We don't rock the boat, whatever it happens to be. But the people who work for you, I'm not saying every idea they have is going to be fantastic because, hey, that's not the case. But do you at least show them the respect that to have ideas is a good thing? Then refine it to work out how to have good ideas and better ideas and all of those because the other thing I find with coaching clients is they turn around and say, yeah, but, the, you know, you say the person should have, you know, can have the answers. But when we get to that point, they go, well, I don't know. And I say, well, have you trained them not to have ideas? So the second thing to look at is having a vision to work towards. And again, I've done a podcast on vision. So goal setting is vital to business performance and building a vision that allows everybody to get behind it is a critical part of the equation too. If you want to see this in action, visit any Disney theme park or Ikea store. Yep, bet you didn't think I was going to say that, did you? Disney park, Ikea store. The thing is, the thing they have in common is strong vision has built a fantastic culture and it spawns happy employees too. When Walt Disney created um, uh, his... Uh, empire shall we call it he had a really simple vision the company wanted to be the world's leading producer and providers of entertainment and information its core theme purpose was to bring happiness to millions and it achieved that mission by imprinting magical and inspiring experiences on children that struck well around into their adulthood in fact there's probably people who take <laughs> take their children to Disneyland because because of their childhood. Um, so Disney's vision has led to it being one of the greatest, biggest entertainment brands in the world for almost a century. You know, they do cruises now, but they're still the purpose of bringing happiness to millions. The key thing here is that Disney's success has come from the power of its vision. And the company's success depends on having a solid vision for the future. And employing an engaged team that is dedicated to making that vision a reality, which is what your employees want. They want the vision. They want something bigger, a purpose to connect to. They want a future that they go, that's it. I want to be part of that. Now, of course, we also talk about empowering employees and, you know, there's a, a statement from Richard Branson who yeah, I see it quite often on popped up on LinkedIn, etc, etc. But it, it is so, so true. 
So Richard is quoted as saying, why would you employ great people and then get in their way? And, you know, why would you? But many people do. They go, well, yeah, we've employed some really great people, but then we know we know better. We know how it should be done rather than, again, back to being open to new ideas and new ways. So it's better to work with your employees and discuss the outcomes you want and then get out of the way and let them come up with the how they're going to deliver the outcome. Again, 80-20 principle. 80% of the time, or more in reality, but 80% of the time, you agree the outcome, let them come up with the how. They really, I mean, they could surprise you with the hows that you would never even have thought about. This is how some companies have had massive innovation, etc., etc. Yes, sometimes they're going to come up with a how and it may not be quite as smooth or as perfect as your how, but also that's how they learn the best. Occasionally, back to the 80-20, there are going to be some outcomes and you're maybe going to have to be more prescriptive on the how, but it's the minority, it's not the majority. And that's what I see quite often with leaders is they forget to stop and turn around and say, well, we've agreed the outcome. And yeah, I've got my preferred how, but is that the how or could I just step back here and see if there's a better how? Which leads me to systems that work. So, you know, all of this is about culture, but depending upon the size of your organisation, you also need to look and say, are the systems still fit for purpose? Do they still do their job or are they now outdated and desperately in need of a refresh? As cultures um, establish as sometimes cultures change, then the systems that the system, I mean, let's take it at its simplest point. A system that worked for 10 people won't necessarily work for a company the size of 50 people or 500 people or 100,000 people. And usually systems are one of the things that tend to lag behind. Um, and, um, Ultimately, then, there's a clash between the culture of the organisation and the systems that need to support it. And they really should work together. All too often, one ends up, in some cases, actually, the structures end up strangling the culture of the organisation. Either because they are outdated and they're not working and it's all falling apart. Or because people have gone, oh, this structure, this system, this looks really cool. This company uses this structure and system, yeah, but their culture is entirely different. So that structure and system works with that culture, but won't work with your culture. So we have to look and say, is the infrastructure that we have giving the employees the tools they need to excel in their role? So this could be, you know, clear processes, adequate training, support and a clear career path, you know, remuneration, all of those different facets does it give them what they need to excel in their role or does it hinder what they could do in terms of excelling in their role? When they're complaining about what's not working, listen with the head of, it's kind of like sometimes I listen with different heads to, to notice the different facets. And one of the heads I listen to is, is structures and frameworks. Are they actually helping now or is the complaint showing that a structure or a framework is coming to the end of its life and before it really starts to fall apart? What do we, what do we need to be looking at? And the last one is development. You see, all human beings want to get better at what they do. It's, it's just innate in us. 
Now, if you read popular press, you're kind of led to believe that actually it's only millennials who want to be developed and the rest of us are just happy to sort of like mooch along. But of course, that really isn't the case. As human beings, we're all success-seeking creatures. There's a brilliant book, Psycho-Cybernetics, by a guy called Maxwell Maltz. Really, really great read. And, you know, it means that development is actually critical for everyone in our organisation. Creating an organisation where being is developed as part of how we do things. Not just the doing. You know, the clue is in the title. We're human beings, not human doings. So if we're developing ourselves, and there's a whole whole way, different ways of developing ourselves, but if we're constantly being allowed to develop and get better at what we do, we actually end up building a workforce that feels their contribution is important. So, as an organisation, how good are you at doing these things? As a leader of your department, unit, team, how good are you at looking at these facets and building this within your team? Until next time, go be the difference in leadership. Leadership.